Hello, and welcome to our Climate Change 101 series. Today, we'll explain climate terminology and relevant developments to provide you with a good foundation of the legal climate change space. So in this session, we're going to cover litigation against governments, in particular in relation to climate policies and project approval decisions that have impacts on companies. I'm Mark Smythe. I'm a partner in the Sydney Disputes Group, and I'm joined today by solicitor Soraya Pradhan, also in the Sydney Disputes Group. So we've recently seen a steady stream of challenges to project approvals decisions and novel actions with respect to government policies affecting the climate and government inaction. Soraya, would you mind starting us off by taking us through some of the drivers of these actions? Sure, Mark. The purpose of these claims is often to hold governments to account to their own climate change policies or public expectation of climate action, including by reference to the Paris Agreement. The analysis supporting the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's sixth assessment report and the recent 26th United Nations Climate Change Conference is likely to intensify the scrutiny on government decision-making in this space and be a catalyst for further climate change litigation. So turning first to that first theme of accountability for climate policies, the landmark case our listeners will, of course, be familiar with is the Agenda case. And this was brought by an environmental group, the Agenda Foundation, against the Dutch government on behalf of 900 Dutch citizens in order to pressure the government to do more to tackle climate change. The case has had global significance, being the first case to determine that a national government owed a tortious duty of care to its citizens in relation to its climate policies and emissions reductions targets. The government breached this duty, the court found, by setting an emissions reductions target that was insufficient to achieve the UN's goal of limiting global temperature increase to two degrees Celsius. That case has also inspired similar litigation around the world. For example, earlier this year, a Paris court found the French state guilty of failing to meet its commitments to curb greenhouse gas emissions in a case brought by four environmental groups. Greenpeace has also commenced a claim against the Spanish government, alleging that its climate plan is insufficient to meet the Paris Agreement goals. And then closer to home, in October this year, a landmark class action against the Australian government was commenced by First Nation leaders on behalf of Torres Strait Islanders in relation to climate change impacts, in particular from rising sea levels. The claim is the first climate class action in Australia brought by First Nation leaders. That claim alleges a breach of a novel duty of care owed to Torres Strait Islanders, requiring the Commonwealth to take reasonable steps to protect them, their culture, and the environment from harms caused by climate change. Interestingly, the alleged duty of care is said to arise not from the Commonwealth's position as the federal government per se, but from ordinary knowledge and foreseeability of harm principles. Factors asserted as relevant to the duty and alleged breach include knowledge, having regard to the Commonwealth government's ratification of the Paris Agreement, and access to expert reports, including reports prepared by government departments and peer-reviewed literature. And emphasising the agenda case's impact, the, the, the case that we mentioned earlier, the claim was developed in conjunction with the Agenda Foundation and is supported by the Australian Public Interest Advocacy Organisation, the Grata Fund. Turning now to project approvals, uh, probably the most well-known case in this area is the, uh, at least Australian case, is the Sharma and Minister for the Environment decision and subsequent appeal. 
So in May this year, the Federal Court of Australia found that the Minister for the Environment owed a duty of care to Australian children who might suffer potential catastrophic harm from the climate change implications of approving the extension to the Bickery coal mine in New South Wales. Soraya, could you take us through the key takeaways from the case? Sure. There are three main takeaways. Firstly, Justice Bromberg held that the potential harm to children was a mandatory relevant consideration that the Minister was required to take into account as a matter of administrative law in determining the approval under the Environment Protection and Biodiversity Conservation Act. Secondly, and as you noted, Mark, Justice Bromberg also recognised a novel private law duty of care to protect Australian children from personal injury arising from the effects of climate change. Finally, Justice Bromberg was not at this stage prepared to find a breach of the duty of care, but noted that the Minister may now wish to consider conditions on the approval or other mechanisms to seek to reasonably address the risk of harm to children in discharging her duty of care. And the Sharma case goes on. Uh, In October this year, the appeal was heard over a three-day period in the full federal court. The Commonwealth in the appeal made detailed arguments against the appropriateness of recognising a novel duty of care in the context of climate change, as well as with respect to distinguishing scope one and two emissions from scope three emissions. Similar proceedings in New Zealand alleging a novel climate change duty of care in the Fonterra case had been unsuccessful, uh, with with such a duty recently rejected uh, by the New Zealand Court of Appeal. But there is now an appeal on foot to the New Zealand Supreme Court. So we'll need to stay tuned uh, for the outcome of these latest decisions in Australia and New Zealand, as well as for other developments that are happening all around the globe. So thank you for listening, and please do make sure to check out some of the other recordings within our Climate Change 101 series.